Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Dale Duncan is a proud public school choral music educator with over 25 years experience teaching middle school-aged children of all ability levels, socioeconomic levels, and backgrounds. Dale is adept at teaching middle school beginners with little or no experience how to read music at first sight and created the S-Cubed Middle School Sight Singing Program for Beginners that is being used by teachers all over the world who teach beginners in this age group. With an average program of over 340 middle school beginning singers in his program each year, Dale has become an expert at managing very large groups of middle school children and helping them to thrive in a highly structured, fun, learning environment on a daily basis and his aim is to make the daily learning experience as memorable, enjoyable, and productive as possible for his young students. Over the years, Dale has mastered the discovery, development, and expansion of the innate talents of students ages 11 to 14 through his love for musical theater. His choral music students have consistently rated superior at state contests throughout his career in both performance and sight singing. In his free time, you'll find him obsessing about his newfound love for playing tennis, riding his bike, or maybe serving on the judges panel at an international aerobic gymnastics event, a sport he's been involved with for over 30 years as a competitive athlete, coach, choreographer, and now as a judge for the sport. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome uh, a fantastic music educator that I've been following for years now. Uh, Mr. Dale Duncan. Uh, Dale, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have a chat with you today. I appreciate you having me. I'm, I'm very grateful for the time to get to talk to you. You got it. So I think the first time I heard your name uh, was either at one of the conferences I was attending or, or in, a, in, I just heard of S-Cubed. And I, to be honest, I had no idea what it was. Before we get into the specifics of what S-Cubed is, I would love to hear your story about how you became a music educator and kind of like running up to when, at what point you said, I need to make something. Because not every, a lot of music teachers are out there and they, they find needs. They find things like, I wish there was something that did this, but they don't actually follow through and do it. So I'd love, to, and I'm sure the listeners would love to hear how you got from like, you know, undergrad to, to where you are today with your product. So give us the rundown. Yeah, we'll do. I. Well, I, I student taught in um, Greensboro, North Carolina at Allen Middle School, and I had a great cooperating teacher. Her name was Kathy Yokely. She was just the best you could ever want. But what I didn't know in that cooperating experience was that she was really protecting me from uh, my bad teaching. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but, you know, I was a beginner. So she was <laughs> behind me, and she would basically keep the kids in control. So there was like a three-day period when she was very sick, and so I had the classes on my own with a sub. And boy, was that a wake up call. Like I, I sunk so badly all three days. I called her each night trying to survive. And, and then fast forward, I, I went and sang on some cruise ships after graduation and 
all of that. And then I came back and she, I just lucked out. She happened to leave her job and I needed a job and I landed back at that job about three years after, maybe even four, but I get into the job and she is a legend there. And I, uh, to replace this person was a big deal. And I, I, you know, I had no idea what a big deal it was. And I felt like a, a failure in year one completely. I remember the holiday concert. Um, it was time for the kids to, to do it. And they sounded awful, all my fault, because I didn't know how to teach them. And um, I remember giving this in, uh, these instructions to the kids, like about how they should arrive and where they should go and what they should wear. And I remember one of the children yelling across the room while I was talking. Of course, now I was like 24, but I looked about 15. And she <laughs> was like, um, to her friend, are you coming? And then the friend, while I'm talking, says, no, I don't think I am. And, then, and I'm hearing it, but pretending I'm not hearing it. So the classroom management was awful. Everything about what I was doing was just not working. And so fortunately for me, it snowed the next day in North Carolina and the concert was canceled. <laughs> and no. I, remember, I remember in January, um, I was struggling again with the kids, but I, had, I kind of had a soul searching time. And I'm like, I'm going to, I was trying to be like this mean teacher that, um, and it was just not who I am. And I, and I, so I decided in January, I was just going to be a nicer human being. And I was going to be, you know, warm to the kids and try to like, you know, restart. And, uh, but the kids were still giving me trouble. And I remember Miss Yokely saying to me, you know, what have you really done with the kids? What have you, have you done anything with them? Have you had any performances? And we had a little mini concert in October, but that was it. And so she, you know, was waking me up slowly over time. So fast forward to about year three, I was still about to quit. Every year I was not going to do it. Like I was just not, I, I hated it. I could not figure it out. And at the end of year three, I went to festival and I saw um, a teacher that was really doing a great job with the middle school kids. And, I, and it gave me some inspiration. And so I, I started uh, digging deep uh, to, to really stick it out with teaching. So that was number one. And then I moved to New Jersey. Uh, life took me there. And uh, that was a big shift in its, in its own way. When I got to New Jersey, I taught at South Orange Middle School there. And um, when I went to the first adjudication, I saw another teacher who really inspired me beyond. I thought, God, they can sound like that. And, um, and I decided that I had to get my kids to sound this good. And I, I was also tired of having my students pick up like sight singing books whenever I was trying to teach it and moan because they would fall apart in measure one or measure two. And I had just, nothing I was using was working. And uh, so I just, at year four, I committed to stay a teacher. Uh, and then when I committed to do that, I was like, if I ever figure this out, I'm gonna help teachers. I don't know when or how, and of course this was in the early 1990s. So I didn't have any idea how, but I, I knew I was going to figure it out. It was just gonna be my life's mission. And so every year I would, I would go watch teachers. Uh, I would take sick days to go do it. Uh, teachers that were you know, just killing it and, I, and, having, and their kids were responding to them. And then I just got so stimulated by watching these teachers um, and it was worth taking the sick days. And then over time I started to figure it out. And I went to NYU one summer uh, in the early 90s to take a course in Kodai. I wanted to be a level one certified uh, person. And so that, I did that because I wanted my solfege to get better. I wanted to use solfege more with the kids. Um, and I learned a lot in that course. And then that's when really things began to shift. It's like the mid 1990s when I started to have success. I started to get the sounds out of the kids that I wanted. Um, they started, they stopped disliking me. <laughs> they started enjoying uh, learning from me. And I decided that I wanted uh, teaching to be fun. 
I wanted it to be engaging. I wanted them to talk about the class when they left in all the right ways. I wanted them to want to come back. And so that just drove everything that I, I do. And you know, I'm a big musical theater fan too. So I, I wanted the kids, you know, I wanted to use musical theater to inspire them as well. And I wanted to turn them onto that. So between all of those things, you know, I just kind of uh, started dabbling in some of the things that are now in my program, S-Cubed. Um, but I didn't know that's what I was doing at the time. I was just developing games and, and listening thing, exercises and things that just kind of over time developed for me and worked for me. And then I, when I came to Atlanta in 2002, I'm teaching at Henderson Middle now, I, um, I had it all worked out, but I just wasn't sure like, you know, what to do next with it, if anything. And so one of my music supervisors uh, here, I, I, you know, he was a big figure, uh, important figure for me, uh, Dr. Michael Meeks. He oh, said, well, I know him very well. Do you? Do you? Very cool. <laughs> yeah. He said to me, you need to take it to the next level. And I said, well, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, because I was going to festivals, they were getting superiors, and my kids were having a good time. My program was big, and, you know, and I was enjoying everything about uh, this program I was running, and the parents were supportive. And he's like, well, you just need to, like, share. You need to figure out how you can share what you're doing, because what you're doing is working, and you need to. And I had already said to myself earlier, if I figured out, I will. So, um, in 2009, um, life took me to Switzerland. I, I, I coach aerobic gymnastics and judge it. So I was there for years. So during that year, I wasn't teaching. And that's when I really decided that I was going to create uh, this sightseeing method for people to use. And so I started writing a book, didn't work. Uh, I submitted it to all kinds of people and it just didn't work in book form. And then I found Teachers Pay Teachers in 2013. And I was like, I think I can put something together that will work. And I can show teachers like links of me actually teaching it. So I literally took my iPhone, put it in a corner and turned it on each class period for this one specific class. And all year I filmed every lesson. And then I put teaching tips in there and stuff too. I thought I wanted to create something that I would have wanted as that poor, pitiful, broke teacher that I was emotionally and, and financially and everything in the uh, late 80s when I started teaching. So that's kind of how my teaching career has, uh, has been uh, through these years and how it's developed. So you, you've said a lot of really, really important things mm. in, in that intro, uh, Dale. And, and I think that the ability to admit that you weren't a great teacher and then trying to figure out a path to become one is such an important point. A lot of music educators, in my opinion, uh, I, I know for me specifically, I had major imposter syndrome my first year, um, thinking, you know, because your student teaching experience is not real. Um, there is a teacher behind you. Uh, and, you know, meaning that the, the teacher is really there holding the reins for you. Um, and then when you finally get your job and you go, all right, who am I going to be? What kind of teacher that don't smile until December yeah. kind of ridiculousness. Uh, so I really appreciate, I'm sure the listeners do too, that kind of, uh, you know, I'm sure you were much better than you're claiming to be, but I, I think it's important for people to hear that it is okay to struggle as a, as an early years teacher. And there is a, uh, you know, you have to pick yourself up and figure it out. And I love the idea of going and seeing other people, uh, having the, you know, the kind of grace to admit that you may not know everything. I think a lot of music teachers come out of school going, I know everything I'm ready, here we go. And then when it doesn't go their way, 
they think it's the kids and not necessarily themselves. So exactly. And I think that was me, honestly, like, I, I really uh, think that I felt like, well, I have a master's degree. I've sung on cruise ships. I blah, 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 whatever. They don't care. And in fact, they don't care when you get, you know, when you go from one state to another state. Like if I left Georgia right now, if I even left Henderson Middle School and went to another school, it doesn't matter what I've done in the past. Those kids don't care. Correct. What they care is their daily experience in your room. And, and are they enjoying it? Are they learning? Do they think you care about them? These are the things that are constant, even during a pandemic. And that's what I'm trying to do during the pandemic as well, which is not, not easy to do, right? Right. The, the other one thing I wanted to point out before we move on, Dale, is you said something extremely important that a lot of people don't realize is that sometimes following a legend like your teacher, is it Mrs. Yo, Yo? Mrs. Yokely, yes. Yokely, yes. Mrs. Yokely. Um, you know, a lot of music educators go, I want to inherit a great music program so that I continue the tradition. It's actually way more pressure, oh, more difficult. Oh. I, I inherited my, so you taught in South Orange uh, Middle School. I taught not too far away my first year in the very early 90s in Irvington, New Jersey. So just down like two yeah. exits uh, down the uh, uh -huh. parkway. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, I, I followed a, a, a train wreck and it was so much easier because yeah. there was no further down it could go. Uh -huh. um, you know, it, you know, so a lot of people think that inheriting an incredible music program is great. It uh, can be super problematic. It is. I've done it twice. When I went to New Jersey, the kids adored that teacher. But because I had done it once and, um, I, I was, and I was more mature, I was able to handle it a little bit better. But we had completely different styles. But, you know, when you're starting as a teacher, as you mentioned, you don't really know who you are. You don't know what you want to be. You don't know who are you. you I think you said uh, something great like, um, who, who, what imposter am I going to be today? Right. And, and that is, that's a really you know, hard thing as a young teacher to even figure out what, you know, are you going to be able to be yourself? And especially if you're 22 and you look 12, you know, I mean, what do you do? And so I think now in hindsight, I would tell that young person uh, myself, to just be myself and, you know, from go and, and know that I'm going to fail quite a bit and just every day go home and assess uh, what worked and what didn't and then try to do better the next day. That's all you can do. I, I thoroughly appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners do as well. It's, it's important to hear for, for veterans to also reflect back. And I'm sure it rings true with many veterans. They, they may not say it out loud, but it's true. Um, so let, let's shift forward and, and talk about your current music program at Henderson Middle School. Paint a picture. What are you doing? Um, is there technology? Are, you know, what are you doing, especially now in this world of uh, COVID that we're living in? Are, are you in person? Is it hybrid, you know, virtual? Just, just paint a picture for us. Absolutely. Right now, my district, uh, I'm in DeKalb County, Georgia, and we are still virtual. And we uh, have kind of been on a roller coaster ride. Like they've not said we are going to stay virtual until a certain point. They, they reassess once a month. They're going by the science of when the numbers are between six and 100. Um, for 100,000 in our county, then we're going to go back. And that has not, it happened a couple of weeks ago. It looked like we were going back. Then they went back up again. So my program, you know, I'm dealing with, I'm sure much that many are dealing with. Like um, the, I am completely virtual. Uh, for the foreseeable future. I only see my students twice weekly. Uh, through the month of October, I've only seen them once because of some testing that's going on. I don't know why they're testing kids now. They haven't even learned that much, but it's crazy. Oh. It's Georgia. 
um, I, I've, had to re- I've had to refine my own expectations of what to teach the kids. And I'm constantly redefining that, like what's important for me and in this current environment. And I'm having to be flexible with myself. I'm trying not to beat myself up, you know, when I'm not getting as far as I want to. So far, though, I've focused on sight singing because I do want these kids, especially my sixth and seventh graders, to be literate when we return, you know. I've, I've taught some rounds so I can work on diction, pitch, and rhythm, and things like that. Um, for some of the rounds, I've been using Flipgrid, which I love. I, Fantastic. Feedbacks thing that is so good. And I've been giving each student individual feedback um, on, on the things they submit because I feel like the connection that we have with the kids uh, is so critical. Like it's so hard when they're on a Zoom call or whatever you're using with, you know, 50 kids and they're, they're, they're nervous to talk. Uh, but when you have a flip grid and you are talking into the camera to that child and they get to see that feedback, I think it really makes a big difference on the connection, it makes them know that you care. You can't do that on every single flip grid that they submit, but I try to pick some every week or so that, uh, that I'm doing. Um, I, I think that, uh, let me see, I'm also using games, like I'm using, I'm still singing uh, Forbidden Pattern, which is a game from SQ. I have them on mute. Uh, I can see they're smiling and laughing. I'm putting wigs on my head to distract them. I'm wearing weird sunglasses. <laughs> uh, all kind, I'm disappearing from the camera. I'm like, you know, they don't know what I'm going to kind of come back. All kinds of things to try to keep them engaged with me through the screen. Um, I start. I start each class with a Kahoot game. Uh, sometimes I steal them from other teachers if they are in my subject, you know, area for teaching like note values or something. Sometimes I create my own. Like recently, I just created uh, one yesterday on ear training on Kahoot um, that is public. And I'm, I've been posting some of the things that I really like on my Facebook page, Music in the Middle of Mr. D, so teachers can grab the, any Kahoots or Ed Puzzles or whatever that I think are good enough for, for you to want and maybe use. Um, I've uploaded some videos. What I, what I did yesterday was uploaded videos of, onto my YouTube channel. I kept them um, unlisted because I wanted, you know, they're not worth it for teachers to see. They can get them through that Kahoot. And I'm singing sharp, I'm singing flat, and I'm asking them, which is it, and that kind of thing. A lot of times I'm using Edpuzzle. Um, I, I found that really useful for accountability. Um, I screencastify, um, I use that, and then I upload to Edpuzzle. And then you can ask questions on the Edpuzzle about like your site singing or whatever you're doing. Um, and they answer it and you see the grade. It's really a good way to make sure they're held accountable, that you see that they're learning. Uh, and Kahoot's also a great way to take attendance. That's why I do it at the beginning of class because I don't want to call their names. Um, Edpuzzle's a great way to test the knowledge, as I mentioned, when they're learning asynchronously because they can't sit on the camera for 40 minutes. Uh, it's just too much. I right. feel like that synchronism and asynchronism makes us really important. Um, so those are some of the things I'm doing and I'm posting some of those things on the I teach middle school course page and on my Twitter page and other things. So people can grab, come and grab those little ideas if I think they're worthy. <laughs> and no, I, I, delete. <laughs> what, what I'll do, Dale, is post links in the podcast description for people um, to click on your resources. I think one of the things that attracted to me, attracted me to you immediately was how much stuff the volume of quality stuff that you're putting out there, you're sharing for free, and then of course the amazing resources that are on teachers, paid teachers. Just quickly, the just for everyone, um, Kahoot K A H O O T Kahoot dot yeah. mm-hmm. is a really great game kind of game like um, 
you know, uh, it, it, there's a countdown clock. The kids have to click their answer, whether it's A, B, C, or D. Really easy to create, a great existing library to share. Edpuzzle is excellent. Uh, again, all free free resources. And Flipgrid is the is the best, you know, kind of video interchange you can have. And again, everything that uh, that you mentioned is free. Um, and Screencastify. So um, I, I want to just quickly ask you before we get into the technology and then really some specifics about S-Cubed, which of course is available um, through Music First as premium content. Um, I, I'd love to know what your thoughts are on virtual choir and virtual rehearsals and have you attempted that? Um, because, you know, we see, I, I, I've said this to other uh, guests, you see it online, you see these virtual choir performances with a hundred kids in little squares singing um, and, and this, the idea of having a virtual rehearsal over Zoom, but I, I, a lot of administrators see it and go, you should be doing this. But when you actually get down to brass tacks and start trying, it's, it's overwhelming. Oh my God. I see. Here's what I've done. I, I admire the teachers who have done it. I really do. Uh, I, I made a decision back in the summer, you know, that I was not going to do that. Um, and I may change my mind if it keeps going through spring. Right. Right. Uh, but I, but right. I just felt like there were so many ways that I could teach my students really important things, uh, nitty gritty things that maybe we don't always get to, um, that would help lay a foundation that would be solid so that when we are back together, we can just hit the ground and go. And, I, and the virtual choir thing for me felt so overwhelming to do that. Uh, I, and my principal has not pressured me for that at all. I, I feel some pressure on myself to do it for my students. Like, I mean, just now in the last week, some of them have said, are we doing like a holiday concert? And like, well, no, we're not going to do it live. Are we doing it virtually? I'm like, well, I'm not inclined to do that right now. But, you know, maybe we could do one song or something. But even then, I know I'm going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> And I, are, yeah. I'm nervous about that rabbit hole. And I know it's going to take away from so many other things that I am doing that I know these kids need to learn. Uh, so it's a tricky thing. Yeah. And I think that what, what any ensemble director, I mean, from we, we've uh, at music first, we've just had like, you know, thousands and thousands of teachers asking us how the, what the heck do I do? The, the immediate reaction is I just try to do what I'm doing now virtually. I just immediately just try to replicate a, a typical choir band orchestra program just online. And then when you get down to it, it's actually really, really difficult. Yeah. So I, what I think you've said that everyone should hear and I hope resonates with people is that use this bizarro time that we're in to focus on what you said, laying a foundation, getting those individual musicianship skills. I know I, when I was a middle school band director, I didn't have one-on-one -on -one conversations with my students during a rehearsal. It was just no. trying to keep, it was, it's hurting cats. So yeah. you know, the ability for you to give direct feedback to a student, I, I don't think that it can be overstated how important that is for the kids. And it's really, I'm sure you're like me, Dale, I'm a ha glasses three quarters full. Yeah. I, I, you have to look for the positive in this awful yeah. situation that we're in. And I just, I, I really, I love what you've said and I hope that other, people's hear, other people hear it. And uh, I'm sure that many are doing it, but it's really good to hear somebody as high profile as yourself um, and your insights on this whole 
you know, the virtual performance thing, just for everyone, you can totally do it, but just yeah. make sure that you're going to dedicate 40, 60 hours uh, to creating one song. It's just really, it's quite yeah. overwhelming. And if you only have like GarageBand and iMovie to do it with, it becomes really hard. Yeah. And I'm so not an expert in so many other areas. Like I needed to learn Edpuzzle. I had never done an Edpuzzle. I needed to learn Kahoot, which wasn't that hard, but I needed to learn a Screencastify and all these, those things were looming over my head and I knew that they were going to facilitate me teaching things and Flipgrid they, they were going to facilitate me teaching things like diction and pitch and um and rhythm and things that one-on-one -on -one, like you said I mean there are many golden nuggets in this you know if we if we like you said look at it three-quarters full if, if we really look at it and then but my thing is eventually this will be over and I want to as I said hit the ground running so that's why I feel like just put that solid foundation down and then be ready when it does turn and we're ready to go. I feel bad for the teachers that are doing hybrid. I think that's got to be so freaking hard. But um, eventually, I'm sure I'll be doing that in transition for at least a period of time. So bless all of you who are doing that as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, my, my daughter, I, I live in uh, about 20 miles north of Manhattan in Rockland County, New York. And my daughter who is high school aged is doing hybrid. She's in school two days a week. She have one day of asynchronous and then virtual for two days a week. And I have to say my home office is my living room. And yeah. uh, my daughter sits at the dining room table and I cannot state strongly enough how amazing teachers are doing. <laughs> I'm listening to her AP calculus teacher. I'm listening to her AP physics teacher teaching live and virtual students simultaneously. And I'm just blown away. You can do it. It's yeah. certainly not easy, but you, you can do it. All right. So Dale, before we get into like a detailed overview of what S cubed actually is and how it can benefit, I'd love to know, it, were you into technology before the COVID thing happened or was COVID like the, all right, you're full, all in. So what was your technology experience up up to the COVID, uh, you know, kind of line in the sand in, in mid-March? I would say that for my age, which is 110, <laughs> I am pretty, pretty fast forward for, uh, for technology than most people my age, but I'm still way behind the young kids in their 20s. Uh, and I learned a lot. Like I did a couple of Facebook lives this summer to ask some of teachers who use my program what they were doing during the end of last year. And that's when I learned about Edpuzzle. And I'd heard about Kahoot, but I'd never used it. But I learned uh, about Flipgrid from them. And so these kind of interactions, when you have these Facebook lives and, and, and podcasts and other things are really helpful to teachers to learn these new things. And, and of course, reading Facebook and all the, all the pages. But my technology, when I started S-Cubed, I, I had never created a PowerPoint and it showed they were terrible and they're still kind of not that great, but the oh. information's great. <laughs> but um, that, you know, I did the best I could. I was like, I want to step off this ledge and share this and this looks like a way I can do it. And I wanted, I had never uploaded videos to YouTube. And so I wanted to, I wanted teachers to see me teach it if they wanted, you know, and they could sit ad nauseum with their bottle of wine on a Friday night class. I'm sorry. And, <laughs> bottle, bottle. And, and watch it and watch it, you know, and like see, okay, oh, well, that's, I can do it that way, you know. And this was before, of course, uh, COVID. But, you know, I, I uploaded all of those things and it took countless hours. So I, when I decide I want to do a technology thing, I'm all in and I'm going to do it as many hours as it takes. That's why I'm scared to go down the virtual fire <laughs> rabbit hole at this point because I know I will do it and I will go all in and it will just absorb my world. And I'm worried about how that will be. So I haven't done that one. But when I did um, SQ, when I created it, I was just 
um, just getting started with technology really before that. I mean, I was on like social media platforms, but I wasn't really doing technology things. So it was all quite new and I've learned a lot. Like I didn't know how to do direct links back in 2013. I mean, there was so much stuff and I've had to clean up all of that over time. So I have gotten much better with technology. I just have to, I'm just one of those people that once I decide I'm going to do it, I figure it out. I'm not afraid of it. I, I, I enjoy technology mostly when it works. Um, so that's where I was on that uh, when this COVID began. Great. So Dale, I mean, I, I think the, the very first time I heard of you was either on Facebook through your Teachers Pay Teachers link or when you launched your product as an add-on to Music Prodigy. I know that S-Cube is also available uh, as something that you can get uh, through, I believe, Smart Music. Um, and of course, it's available in the Music First classroom. So I'd love for um, the entire Music First community, as well as any music educator listening to this, let us, what is S-Cube? What does it do? What can it do for uh, their program? Is it for everyone? Is it just for choir directors? Yeah, just give us as detailed an explanation of it and, and why people might consider adopting it for their programs. Okay, so as I said earlier, I failed a lot at the beginning. I didn't know how to teach true beginners how to read music. I, I, uh, I kind of uh, compare it to like, all right, let's say I dropped um, people in France and, and, um, they, and, I said, and they didn't have an interpreter and they had to just go and figure it out, right? Um, a child of 12 years old in France, you're in France, go figure it out. That's gonna be a rough situation. And I feel like that a lot of uh, music teachers, because we've spoken the language of music for so long, don't re- realize what the true beginner doesn't know. Like when I started um, teaching, I realized that when a, when a note, when, when you have D on the treble clef, students can't tell the difference between the D and the E if they're true beginners. Now, if you've got a little Mozart in your room, that's a whole different thing. But that ledger line, I mean, sorry, that line and then that space below, they couldn't see the difference. And that was fascinating to me. Or if it was below the ledger line, there were so many details that, that kids did not know and that sight singing programs did not teach that I wanted to make sure to teach. They didn't understand uh, how, you know, like I wanted ear training to be a component because my kids sang sharp, they sang flat. So I made sure there was an ear training component throughout the entire program so their ears got refined. Um, I wanted students to be able to read um, two parts or three parts acapella with skits as wide as an octave because in Georgia, that it with syncopated rhythms because in Georgia at our a large group performance evaluation that's what they have to do it's a really high bar so when I created it I wanted to create uh, the ability for kids to do all of those things on their own so every technique that I created uh, like chaos uh, which is when the kids are singing and practicing by themselves every technique is towards building one step at a time towards getting to the goal that I just mentioned I'm a former gymnast and gymnasts in our country they have level one to level ten and then they have elite and you you don't move from level one to level two until you have mastered uh, everything in level one really well if you have a great gymnast teacher and that's how I formulated S-Cube is like you're gonna work on we work on this and we reinforce it as teachers and as students until they become fluent and then we move to the next level and then it's amazing what they're able to do now I, this program is designed for the true beginner which is all I've ever taught I have as I said never had a little Mozart in my room I'm still waiting I have a few students who take piano lessons uh, but I would say less, fewer than 10% of my students take 
piano lessons. So all the kids in my room, I wanted to engage them. This SQ program, I wanted to be part philosophy and uh, part method, you know, and I wanted it to be fun and competitive. So I, I uh, the games, I'm always pitting my classes against each other. Um, I keep scores public so that they know who's doing better in their sightseeing examples and in their uh, forbidden pattern games. So that is the essence of SQ. I also needed to create it, uh, something because I didn't like how every sightseeing program I'd used before went from the key of C, and they can't, the kids did not understand the C ledger line, and nobody explained it to them, to the key of G, to the key of F. And these simple things that were so missed by so many programs that seemed to come from the mindset of, uh, oh, well, certainly my students have taken piano lessons or private lessons. And, I needed something that uh, appealed to students who had none of those things. I did not want to send my students out who love singing to go to college to be the dumb singer in the college music program because I remember being called that. <laughs> I didn't read, you know, I didn't, I really, and I took piano lessons. I didn't know. They would say sight sing this. I was guessing. I wanted my students to have the real tools to be able to figure stuff out on their own. Yeah, really, really important. So. Uh, yeah, you said a lot there. I think that a lot of music educators um, don't take the time. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not, it's not a blanket indictment at all, but it's that, that really, so my, my, I grew up um, in my, my mother was on Broadway and she opened her own dance studio when I was born. And my wife is the main ballet instructor, one of the ballet instructors at that school. And in, in like you said, with gymnastics, ballet is very, very similar in that the kids have to progress through mastering a set of skills before they move on. And that takes time. And I think that a lot of music educators, when they're, especially when they're young and thrown into the deep end, and they're like, you have a concert in three and a half months. I know it was like that for me. My, yeah. I was just petrified that my peers, my administrators, all the community, the parents are going to watch my skills up on the stage. Yeah. And so I, I literally forgot about all the fundamentals. I forgot about the, you know, okay, for, I can't teach this right now. I'm just going to either, you know, teach them by rote. I'm going to press the notes for them, whatever, yeah. so that the concert's great. But taking the time and, and being able to do like a, a serious self-effacement and go, you know what, if I want my choir, if I want my band, if I want my orchestra to get to this level, I have to step back. I have to do this kind of slow and steady building of skills. So I, I, I really admire uh, your approach. And I, I think uh, even though many people might not think they have the time, especially right now in COVID, it's the right. perfect time uh, yeah. to go back. So um, why don't you describe like when, when somebody gets SQ, when somebody, first of all, is it, is it just for choir directors or is it for band and orchestra directors as well? What I, do you Honestly, I have had, uh, when I first created it especially, a lot of band teachers who were dumped into choral classes uh, would email me and say, thank you so much because this has been my guide to get through teaching chorus. Like I designed it uh, to for 10 to 15 minutes per day, um, no more than that. Like you right. need yes, it's little doses at a time. And that, that's true for whatever program you use, whether it's SQ or something else. Right. You, you said it, you just develop a little bit at a time. And, and if you can apply it to your rep, that's great. But I'm certainly in the beginning of my program teaching, you know, by rote for many, many things, but I'm using solfege a lot of times and I do it. So it's really, they are uh, connected. 
uh, when you're teaching uh, your music, your lit, you can definitely connect them. You can just, you just have to be creative in the way that you do it. And I, I have some high school teachers that use it with their beginners. I have upper elementary teachers who use it. It just depends on you know, what your situation is and, and if you're ready to dive in and really uh, try a new curriculum that you haven't before, but it's a step-by-step -step guide. So if you just like take it one day at a time, uh, a lot of teachers might get it and go read the whole thing and go, oh my God, this is overwhelming, I can't take it. But you just have to go one step at a time. And if you, in level one, there's 27 lessons, which is 27 weeks if you see your kids every day, 50 minutes a day, that's a lot. Um, so you can't possibly go through it all without getting overwhelmed. You just have to take, all right, this is week one, this is day one, all right, this is what I'm doing right now. And then you go to the next one, you read it, you prepare one step at a time, uh, regardless of what you're teaching and who you're teaching. I think that's the way to, to do it. Right, and I also think, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but for my, my uh, what I'm getting out of this is, this is not just, quote unquote, a sight reading curriculum. This is a musicianship curriculum. This is to build fundamental mus musicianship skills for your ensemble members. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, or? Yes. And when they, and they, I can't even tell you like how much as I was developing it through the nineties and I, you know, all these little things I was starting to incorporate that are now in S cube, uh, one step at a time, their pitch became incredibly much cleaner. Their rhythm became cleaner their, um, and then, you know, now when I use it every year and but by eighth grade, I, I can just take many of my pieces of music and say, all right, you guys go in the corner, sopranos in, in small groups and altos and baritones and, and you work, here's your pitch, go do it acapella. And that's all I do. And they come back and they sing it. And that, you know, that's what you want when you, when you send them off to high school, or even if you're high schoolers, you know, you're trying to get your beginning choir to get to be stronger because I've never been one of those people that that said, okay, I'm going to have my advanced choir and then everybody else, whatever. I am not that person. I am, I want all of my kids to have a good, solid, um, magical performance, um, whatever they're doing. I take all of my students to large group performance evaluation. I have four choirs, um, you know, my sixth graders, my seventh girls, my seventh boys, and then my eighth grade mixed choir, and they all go. And, and I want them all to have that feeling that you get when you go into the sight singing room and you nail it. But, but more importantly, when you sing choral music and you are using all of those tools that we've been working on through s all year long, and, and now your pitch is better, your rhythm is cleaner, your tone is better because you've been working so hard on the solfege and the vowel shape. Solfege is just so amazing for tone development as well. So those, those are the things that, I, that's how I approach it with my kids. It's really, I want to send them off to high school with a tool, tool box filled with sightseeing tools but also magical experiences that turn them on because that's what we're not getting right now, right? We're not able to sing live. I put a thing on my little Facebook page the other day, like live music is gonna be such a huge part of the healing and, um, and there's just nothing like it, right? And I, I was getting with my kids the other day uh, on Zoom as we're still planning, uh, hopefully, to be able to do something for our spring musical review. It's our big event of the year. And the kids were presenting ideas. And one of the things they presented to me, uh, one of the kids showed me, it was this, um, a group of uh, human beings in Central Park. 
And this girl began singing this song called I See Stars, which is from Mean Girls. It gives me goosebumps to think, about, think of it. She began singing, it was fully staged, but it didn't feel staged. She began singing it alone, and then slowly people started to come around and gather and get closer and closer. Uh, and then they started to sing and then, oh gosh, miss it so much. Yeah, no, I think Nothing we all do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, j j before, I, I, we only have a few minutes left, Dale, yeah. but I'd, I'd love for you to tell, like if somebody goes on to Teachers Pay Teachers and buys S-Cubed, what do they actually get? I know that we have it a little bit differently in, in Music First Classroom. It's a combination of thing, resources in our classroom and and practice first, but what do they get if they just go to Teachers Pay Teachers today and say, I love this guy, I'm getting this stuff. What, what okay. do they actually get? All right, so in Teachers Pay Teachers, that's my home store. It's where I offer everything. Like I have different size bundles for different settings. Like if you're an elementary teacher and you only see your kids twice a week in a normal life, uh, you would only want lessons one through five. So I call that the elementary bundle um, because you don't need the whole thing. And then I have a level one, which is enough for a lot of teachers who only teach treble students. You know, they don't, they, they don't have a mixed choir with boys that's in there. And then we have the mega bundle, which is like people who just are all in and they want to develop their choir and they know they're going to go for boys. Then we're going to go to three part mixed with that one. Um, there's every individual lesson is in there. If you don't want to commit to the entire program, I mean, I've got the entire thing in there. And then JW Pepper offers a, a large portion of those things as well. I would add, well, actually, I would say maybe 30% of those things, the big ones, the ones that most people purchase. And then, so they get the curriculum if they go to either of those two places, the curriculum itself, the step-by-step right. curriculum. And then I created the assessment and practice, um, supplemental exercises that you guys also host because you have my curriculum on music first and at level one and you have the uh, assessment uh, items now what i did about six years ago is i developed a one-to-one -one assessment or practice example for every example in level one of s cubed because um i was working at that time with music prodigy and they had a program similar to yours and, and so and i had never used anything like it so um, when I found it, I loved it. And I love music first as well, by the way, but um, they're, they're, you know, I loved it because it was immediate grade, immediate feedback. So I started using it with my kids uh, six years ago, long before the pandemic. And, and now I'm leaning on it extra hard. And I, it's a one-to-one, -one. like I'll give, we'll go over a sightseeing example on Zoom and then I'll send them home and say, you have to do lesson five, day one. Um, and so with music first, it's the same, except that with music first, you get everything in level one right plus right. get those assessment and practice examples and when i worked with music first this uh summer um marjorie was generous enough she's one of your staff yeah members. we love her we love marjorie great she she um worked with me i wanted to make sure i really understand the difference between what i currently use and have used for years and music first and i loved what i saw like i mean how it shows the sharp and the flat and it's specific and uh, I loved it. And if I had been brave enough, you know, I might have uh, moved and, and given it a shot this year, but I had so many technology things to learn already that I just said, let me no, just totally. I I know, and I'm enjoying you. Uh, go, go with what you know. That's <laughs> I know, right. So Dale, we're, um, I, I have two final questions for you and I really appreciate the time and, and, and your energy is just uh, infectious. I would, um, so you've been, I think we're right around the same age. So I, you know, you probably have, you know, 25 plus years of teaching experience, maybe a little more. 
Um, what advice would you give to music teachers who, you know, are, are trying to navigate this whole technology thing? They've been forced to do it. What, what kind of advice would you give um, based on your experience? I, I, I think people have already gotten bits of it, but I'd love to hear, you know, uh, your advice. Well, I would say just to go slowly uh, and, and uh, do what you can do um, that, you know, it, that makes you feel excited, you know, to work with the kids with this and not to do what you think you have to do um, because the students, they see through us and they know when we're happy and they know when we're enjoying the process of teaching when we're not, whether it's through a Zoom camera or whether it's live. And so just bite off a little bit at a time uh, find ways to teach what you love to teach. A, a teacher in my own building the other day, who's a new general music teacher, first year, uh, asked me, you know, what should I be teaching? And I said, you should be teaching what you love. Like he's a euphonium player. I'm like, find ways to teach through your euphonium. I don't know. Like, I mean, just think it through and get creative with that. And my advice is just not to let yourself get overwhelmed. Step away from that computer. Like I have to get up and walk around um, several times a day or absolutely yeah that's about that, that's about all the advice I mean I, I mean I, I don't want teachers to obsess with like with music first practice first I would say don't obsess with the grade the student gets on the assignment you know what I mean because if you obsess about it you make them obsess about it and then they're gonna sit for hours and they're gonna hate that process that I use the, the information I get from programs like Practice First and uh, with SQ as, as information to help the student. And then I can go and have a Zoom with the student and talk to that student individually. Um, you know, it, I also would advise teachers in this current moment, if they're online, to realize that singing alone is really scary for middle school kids, especially. Not everybody wants to do it. And so doing it, you know, we have to realize that vulnerability. I mean, I never make my students sing alone in my classroom unless they want a solo and then they have to do it in front of everyone. So these are some things that I have been considering as I'm doing this. My philosophies really have not changed, you know, as right. during the pandemic. I, I, I just, I want them to have a good learning experience that they, they learn something, they enjoy the process. Yeah, and, and, and Dale, I know that you're on Facebook probably just as much as I am. And I see one of the things I find disheartening before I answer, before I ask you the last question, one of the things I find disheartening is when teachers, music teachers specifically, will say things like, my students aren't showing up, I'm a terrible teacher, how do I get them to be here? Um, I, you know, or, or I'm really upset at my students for not showing up or, you know, they're not getting that level of engagement. Um, yeah. and, and number one, you have no idea what that student's going through. Exactly. That, that, like always err on the side of empathy with students yeah. and, and rather than say, oh, it's my fault. I'm terrible. <laughs> no, yeah. you know, the, the, you have no clue what is going on with no. these kids' lives, what their parents no. are experiencing, if they've been, you know, how they've been affected by this whole thing. So yeah, I, I, I think that that would be, you know, following up on what you're saying, which is just, it's just perfect, you know, small steps and, and do what you can. Yeah, also, I think that everything we're going through, not, I'm sorry to interrupt you, everything that we're feeling as teachers is multiplied by 10 with those kids. Yep. And the reason is because we have, we're adults and we have the emotional framework uh, that is in place to deal with this way better than, than kids who are 12, 13 or 14 years old. And we've always got to be uh, compassionate. Like my students, when they, if they reach out to me even once, like a tiny bit, 
I reach back tenfold because I yep. know that it took everything for some of them. To oh, no, abs absolutely. Themselves, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, excellent. So final question, Dale, and this is just in, in general, I, I always ask the magic wand question. So if you could wave a magic wand and have technology do something that it doesn't do now, uh, what would it be? Like technology in general or technology in general? It doesn't have to be music first specific or, or S cubes. It's just like, what is missing out there that you would love to see uh, oh in, in the world God. of technology? I don't, I don't, that's a hard question. I mean, you gave me some prep, but I thought you were talking about like music first. Well, you uh, could well, say music first, absolutely. Maybe, you know, it could be music uh, first. No. I mean, in general, like, I mean, I wish, like if I were dreaming, I wish I could beam myself into, you know, like without having to have any contact with the kids right now because of COVID to like still teach them. That would be my dream, honestly. Yeah, no, I get uh, obviously, it. that's a big one. Um, so I, you know, based on my experience with technologies like music first, um, you know, I would want the apps to work without fail because that can be frustrating for the kids. Yeah. I would want to make sure it's easy for teachers to change keys for boys' voices when they need it because, you know, boys are often ignored and that can be frustrating for the boys. I'd want them to have excellent octave tolerance for specifically for boys. Um, I would want to make sure it's super easy for kids to sign up on their own for whatever the technology is, that there are no link issues. Like with Flipgrid, I had a few, but I think that was my learning curve. Um, you know, things like just so that it's just so easy. I think people have done a great job in general, uh, but, you know, there's so much new technology that once in a while, you know, even when you get an update on your iPhone, something happens, right? Yep. And, and then they have to redo it. Um, I would make pricing so easy for teachers to figure out. Uh, right now, sometimes pricing can be a real challenge for teachers to figure out, like, what does this mean? Is this by the head? I mean, what, I mean, what do I have to purchase? And, you know, that can be just really frustrating. And I think it oftentimes can make teachers have a you know, difficult time jumping over that hurdle. Um, I would also, in the perfect world, make it always easy to transport grades from the grade book into our actual grade book. Yeah, yep, yep, absolutely. Small order, because the systems there are so different and so many. So that's pretty yeah. much my little wish list. Those are all uh, absolutely uh, valid and, and really good points, Dale. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say that our time is up, but uh, it has been a real treat for me uh, to speak with you, Dale. And I know that everybody listening um, will hopefully have been smiling as much as I have been throughout, throughout our entire conversation. I, I hope that you guys are back in, you know, either hybrid or in person as soon as possible. I hope you can do your spring musical review. Uh, but thanks so much for taking time. Everybody, if you're not already familiar, um, Click on the links uh, that we that I'll put in the SoundCloud uh, uh, page, and go uh, check out uh, Music in the Middle with Mr. D, as well as S Cubed and, and Dale. Have a great, great school year, and thanks so much for spending time with us. Thank you again for having me and having my work on music first. I'm I'm very honored. You got it. Take care. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.